0: Hello and welcome to the March edition of the Flow podcast and I'm joined as always by the one and only Andy Hawthorne. Hey, Hi. You all right, mate? I'm alright, yeah. We're also later on going to have an interview with our director of Eden, Matt Wilson, and we've got a great testimony and a great story uh, for you as well from one of our friends uh, called Adam, so you'll be hearing more from him later as well. So we haven't had a podcast for a few months. Uh, we finished around the end of the year with our special 20-year uh, podcast, which featured your own dulcet tones as well as some of the other tracks over the last 20 years. And hopefully lots of people have received the book and the Yeah, CD. it's been great,
1: the take-up. Really excited, actually. So uh, if you haven't got a copy yet, you still can. Sort your life out. <laughs> get on the website and get it ordered and those fantastic tribe tunes as well you can get with a 20-year CD.
0: And, but that's it. We are now officially in our 20th year, yeah. uh, 2012, and we've got various things planned. Um, one of which is uh, we're trying to get as many people as possible to get involved in different fundraising ideas, aren't we?
1: That's right. Yeah, obviously we're growing like crazy. Uh, this year, 73% growth. Uh, All a bit scary when lots of charities are cutting back and laying off staff, but we really know God's called us to lots of new ministry and growing Eden and Genetic and the Enterprise Centre and the whole thing. And so uh, we've got to be busy fundraising, and that means every member of staff here at The Message is doing a fundraising event in 2012. But also lots of our supporters are. Just heard about a lovely lady that's having a coffee morning at her church yes, and uh, bringing all her mates together and having coffee and hearing about The Message and raising about half a million pounds, I believe. Wow. Uh, no, no. <laughs> That's just, expensive no, coffee. I just made that up. But, <laughs> but whatever she raises, actually, it'd be fantastic. Yeah, and exactly And if right. everybody did a bit, we could really see some significant money raised and we could help people with magazines and books and videos. And if you want somebody from the message to come and speak at your event, we'd love to do that. So all this year, we're going to have fundraising events, big mm. and small, to help us raise the money we need to do what we, God's called us to. And
0: let me give you some ideas uh, for different fundraising things. These are some of the things our staff are getting involved with. And um, so if you want to sponsor them, I'm sure they'd love you to do that. But maybe you could nick one of their ideas and have a go yourself. So um, one of our ideas is our one of our graphic designers, Bethan. She, apparently, Andy, is organizing a swishing party. I do not know what that is, apart from it says here it's clothes swapping. Don't know how that works. suppose you bring your it's clothes like, and you sounds, swap it with It sounds else. wrong. <laughs> but Don't I'm, do that We'll Move um, on. I'm not going to go any <laughs> further on that one. We've got the classic Free Peaks Challenge, uh, which uh, a bunch of different guys are going to be doing. A Josh and Ryan from 1224 are going to be apparently involved in that. A Cider Cheese and Comedy Night. Mm, so that, that sounds good. Uh, which Dan Hasler, who is our uh, kind of our head of our creative department is doing and uh, actually he makes his own cider he's got like moss, these, cider. You know, moss cider that's right and he's got these trees all over the place that he commandeers fruit from i believe
1: some fools canoeing up the thames or something as well
0: i am doing that very thing <laughs> i am gonna canoe from oxford to london is the theory uh which we'll see how that goes so you can definitely sponsor me to do that we've also got sponsored ironing we've got various kind of music things happening including 1224 trying to do 12 gigs in 24 hours which is a clever play on their name there and frank green's coming out of retirement as a preacher and doing 20 preaches there we go did you know that? No, stop. That's pretty impressive. And then yeah. you've got some easy things, some great things that perhaps you could try at home, like your bake sales and your coffee mornings and things like that. Perhaps my favorite that anyone can do is Matt Walls, our genetic course leader, is planking. I don't know if you know what – Did I didn't know what no. this was, but it's where you kind of lie in a, in a strange place and get a photo taken of you in various places. But it, he's going to raise money by getting people to vote on the most – people putting in their ideas and then they bid for the most outrageous – situation for him to do planking in so we'll find out what happens there i'm not sure but i'm sure it'll bring in loads of money and also loads of embarrassment for matt so if you can uh, give that some thought either by sponsoring us and and donating towards all those various efforts or even better if you could try something yourself that would be great in our 20th year wouldn't it
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: And uh, you've had a, a great month and some really exciting things God's been doing. And yeah. tell us a little bit about your
1: month, mate. Yeah, I just sort of think um, four weeks ago, um, tomorrow, I went to uh, India. Okay. And I've wanted to go to India for years. My wife's been, and we support various projects out there. You know, we uh, we give, and God said to us, we're, we're We're convinced that our focus, our priority needs to be urban youth in the UK, but we must be generous towards the poorest of the poor. So we raised funds for uh, some orphanages and schools, and we built a few churches in India, and I've wanted to go for years and see. I've seen the photos. So I was able to go and visit some of that, but also speak to Compassion Leaders. We have this great link with Compassion, the child sponsorship charity in Calcutta, and then uh, go down to Kerala and speak in a Bible school where Gospel for Asia Amazing organization founded by this guy, K.P. Yohanan, who came to Christ through our friend George Verver in the yeah. 60s. You know, Mad George went into his village, preached the gospel, and K.P. Yohanan came to Christ. And, and uh, OM, Operation Mobilization, took him on at 16 as a missionary and sent him to the literally the hardest mission field in the world then, up in northern India. Yeah. And he'd go from village to village planting a church in one village, being stoned and ran out of the next village and revival and out, and all the sleeping ditches and just amazing, amazing stories. But after about six years, he realized God was doing some good things, but there were half a million unreached villages in India. And wow. he's like me and I've got three mates with me going around doing this mission. We're not going to do that. Uh, we need to go into multiplication. It's so fascinating because this is a bit how we feel at the message at the moment. Absolutely. You know, it's great what's happening in Manchester. We're reaching 100,000 young people, but we're not going to change a nation. With all the resources we've got, we've got to go into multiplication. Mm. We've got to see multiplying Edens, multiplying bands, multiplying enterprise. And so he did it. He's founded his first Bible school. Yeah. to start training Indian guys, most of them who were converted Hindus, to go out as he went out to these villages. He now has um, 74 of these Bible schools and uh, 15,000 missionaries, and they've planted over 20,000 churches, baptized 2.4 million people. Just amazing. That's and it's fantastic. Oh, it's loopy what's happening. And this is, you know, India, it's just an incredible move of God. And uh, <laughs> it, so I was there, supposed to be teaching these guys how to do mission. <laughs> well, I learned a lot more than I taught, really. Yeah. And we, yeah. then we went on into the slums to see the work on the ground. You know, a lot of it's planting in the hardest place. And in fact, I spent a uh, few days in the the slums in Mumbai where Slumdog Millionaire was oh, yeah. filmed. Yeah, yeah. And it's the most populous place on earth, just about. You know, Mumbai has 20 million people crowded in. So you can't have big church buildings because there's no space. Yeah. There's, so it's little house churches crowded in, crying out to God. And, and they treat you like such an honoured guest and you feel so humbled. And at the end, every time you speak, you have this queue of people with, would you pray for me? I've got AIDS. Or, I've got this massive tumour in my neck or my... Uh, I'm, eight, I'm in pain head to toe or mm. handing me their little child who's deaf and dumb. And you're like, oh, Jesus, you know, this heart yeah. goes out to these people with, who have nothing yet uh, utterly dependent. And in the face of all that, the church is growing like wildfire. Mm.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: And India's a crazy place anyway. I mean, so many ways. And Mumbai particularly, because Mumbai has the most expensive real estate in the world. Okay, and and we drove past the most expensive private house in the world. Well, what was that like? It's like it's insane. It's it's twenty nine stories. Okay, it costs nearly two billion dollars, <laughs> and uh, the guy who, who built it built it for his family, and he has three hundred staff in this house, and uh, six floors of cars, wow. and it's just yeah. the extravagance yeah. of this billionaire. But on his doorstep, literally outside his front door is the worst of developing world poverty mm. and and, and I, I said to our team when i got back you know i almost wonder whether it, it, it's something to do with being a hindu where you know i'm this caste uh, i'm the higher caste and but but you're the lower caste or a dalit you know you you're the bottom of the barrel and the best you can hope for is to do your best in this life and you'll be reincarnated in a higher caste in the next life and i god the gods have said i'm a billionaire and you're cleaning filth and living in squalor. Well, yeah. but, and I said that to the team, you know, it's so, that really did my head in because we've spent a lot of time in Haiti over the last 10 years sure. and Haiti, it just seems unrelenting poverty. Yeah. You've been, haven't you? Yeah, Ian? It's absolutely. just everywhere. Yeah. As you go up and down the country, it's hard to find any wealth in India. They, they juxtapose the, yeah, the vast yeah. wealth of the 15% higher caste to the desperate poverty of 75% of the nation. So, I said to the team, maybe it's something to do with being Hindus. As soon as I said that, I got two emails in my inbox. Yeah. One was from a guy who invited me to go out to this fabulous, um, to go to Bordeaux, this fabulous um, wine tasting, and fine lavish food and yeah, blah, yeah. blah, blah, blah. I'm not, I'm not going to go. But yeah. uh, the other email came in straight after it. it was from a, one of our contacts in, in Haiti saying, I can't feed my children. I've got a feeding mm. program. I've got kids I haven't mm. eaten for six days. I'm yeah. sorry to to beg, but we're desperate. There's people dying. Yeah, And and I thought, you know, I, I think how am I living in those two worlds? Yeah. I've got my lovely house and my car and, and yeah. food in my belly. And, and, and I touch the paw and it breaks my heart. But then I come back into my world and, and uh, I just want God to break my heart more. And we just had a meeting literally an hour ago where we say we want to do so much more challenging people and giving. And we want to live with what we believe God said. Our focus, our priority, our energies is urban poor, the poorest people in the UK. But we must never forget the poorest of the poor. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And you um, you mentioned uh, compassion and obviously Haiti as mm-hmm. well, which we've had a, a long history with. Uh, yeah. And uh, you had an incredible story that you were sharing about your last visit when yeah. you went to Haiti after the earthquake. And there was a little girl that you'd kind of been able to help whilst there. And then... A friend of ours who was in Haiti recently was sharing a story about that, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, yeah. We went out to Haiti a week after the earthquake. Uh, it was a wacky thing. We just got on a plane, got a load of medical provisions and food and flew out there and managed to blag our way onto an aid flight and mm. flew into Port-au-Prince, not knowing where we were going to sleep or anything and just wanting to help. Um, and we landed and somebody gave us a truck, which we used to cart around these people with broken backs. And yeah. it was just an amazing time, really. And and uh, But w- one of the most heart-wrenching things was we went to this island called Laganav and just uh, take some of the medical provisions over. And, and uh, we met a little girl there who'd been under the rubble for three mm. days, tiny yeah. scrap, and her feet were just smashed in. And we've got a video. People may remember... We showed the video, was, you know, it was quite harrowing. And uh, just as we were carrying this little girl thinking, what are we are going to do with this girl? Uh, a math plane, you know, MAF are amazing. Yeah, they fly they into the most dangerous places in this little uh, propeller job. So we carried the girl onto the plane and said, could you take us over to Port-au-Prince? We were praying all the way. God, let there be orthopedic surgeons there mm. that can help this girl. And and we landed. And I kid you not, you know, this is a week after the earthquake. port au airport's like a disaster zone. People running everywhere with with um, stretchers and fighter planes coming in, and it was just madness. But as we got down from our little plane with this girl in our hands, there were there were doctors there, gowned up, mm. and we said, "Oh, hi! What are you doing here?" And they said, oh, we're orthopedic surgeons. We're a team. We've just flown in from the States. Incredible!" And we said, could you do anything with this one? And uh, they said, wow, that's what we came for. And so within five minutes, they had on a drip. And then they, they flew her off to this hospital to get operated on. And it was just an amazing God thing. One of several miracles that happened during that week. The story gets better because about... Three months ago, Justin, who went out with us, had been back to Haiti. We sat at Port-au-Prince Airport, um, and he was just waiting for his plane to fly him out uh, back to the U.K. And uh, he sat next to this American guy, and they said, oh, what are you doing here? And he said, oh, I'm a doctor. I've set up a prosthetic limb uh thing in um, yeah. ministry yeah in on Laganarve and Justin said oh you work on Laganav." and the guy said oh yes I, I flew in a week after the earthquake with a team of orthopedic surgeons and as soon as we landed on the runway somebody handed us this little girl and and we operated on and I was so broken by this little girl that I've been provoked to start working on the island and now we've got this clinic giving people who lost the limbs in the earthquake prosthetic limbs Incredible. and we're like amazing Anyway, last week, as soon as we got back from India, we got photos of this girl who yeah. can walk now, and yeah. and uh, she looks That's amazing, so and it was just like, I, I, I don't know, I'm not an emotional man, but I was really, really moved just to bless one desperate poor pe- person is just fantastic.
0: And again, just a, another example of the multiplication as well. That, yeah. You know, that, that that little girl got helped and that's a beautiful thing, but then something happens yeah. where then that doctor's multiplying that out and he's yeah. doing something that wouldn't have happened before and, and another yeah. ministry is born, which yeah. is a brilliant thing.
1: And that's how the kingdom works. Yeah. You never reach one person for Jesus. You never bless one poor person because yeah. God, speci- it's a seed. Yeah. The kingdom's a seed and, and it multiplies with unlimited potential for multiplication once we get it right. And so for us here back back
0: home in Manchester, one of our big plans for multiplication of course is we're just longing to see these uh businesses yeah. being a, a vehicle for that through the enterprise mm. centre. And we're yeah. exciting times with that. And where mm. are we up to? Give us an update. Well, I mean
1: getting these businesses going, which is, is discipleship for young men and women who've come to Christ. So they have a real job earning real money and real bonuses if they succeed. And, and they're part of our team life here in Manchester, and it's becoming ever more urgent yeah. as we see more and more young offenders come to Christ. Yeah. We just have the, over the weekend. We've had the fantastic story of the lad who was literally the biggest nightmare that perhaps this ministry's ever had. And that is saying something yeah. in Bench Hill. Yeah. He was a local tearaway, and 10 years old, he was smoking weed and skinning up in our meetings, and by the time he was 12 or 13, he was robbing the Eden team's houses and the cars, and he was just a little scrap of a thing, malnourished. And, and, but this lad, uh, for five years, the Eden team just loved him whilst he caused carnage on the estate, absolute nightmare. And, uh, and then we lost contact with him. Yeah. Ten years later, he's in prison. And our team's working in in the prison he 's in, and there uh, and to cut a very long story short he 's got radically converted mm. and he 's sharing his faith and praying for other offenders, and absolutely full of it and he 's in in a cell with another gang member, one of Manchester's most not- notori- notorious gang members, who's also come to Christ. And when these guys come out, we want to have a job for Absolutely. them. We want to have a house for them. We want to be yeah. all over them to help them so they don't fall back into that old lifestyle. So yeah. we're going for it. We, we've raised almost a million pounds so far. Okay. Amazing in the last year. Yeah, to totally refurbish the building next door. And we're just at the tender stage. Which is what? What do you mean?
0: What does that mean? Just <laughs> in case like, you're not a builder
1: and you oh, don't know. Yeah, it means we get a series of builders, construction <laughs> yeah. companies, to all bid in. Okay. And so six of them are throwing their hat in the ring, and we're going to pray we choose the best one. Yeah. And uh, and then they'll start building in April. Okay. And that, now we've got to raise a load of money just for the first three years. By year four, we're believing that these business, businesses will generate enough income to be self-sufficient. Yeah. But we've got the first three years to get over. But. God's going to provide the same God who provided a million pound for the building, uh, is going to provide the, the money for that. But it's exciting. And so when are we hoping to have
0: the building finished or businesses starting and young people being discipled?
1: And, and when, when, when's we're hoping to see that? Begin well, to happen? even before the building's finished, the building, hopefully if all goes according to plan, will be finished in September. Yeah. But even before then we are launching a garden maintenance business and a contract cleaning business. Um, and we're looking for business leaders. So they're not the ex-offenders, no, the business leaders? They're Christians who have a heart for mentoring but are also entrepreneurs in their own right, can yeah. build a business. We'll give them all sorts of support and encouragement, but they can build a business and succeed and employ ex-offenders and at-risk young people who would have no chance of getting a job otherwise. So we've got a couple of vacancies at the moment? Yeah, if you are on our website, there's numbers of vacancies. We're obviously staffing up now the Enterprise Centre, so absolutely. And, and if you know anybody, spread the word who you think could do that job. Because really, uh, Frank Green's directing the project and doing a great job, but really the businesses are going to stand or fall by mm. these leaders who we bring in over the next few months.
0: Yeah, Brilliant. And um, One of my favourite multiplication stories, I think, uh, I heard this month was uh, Tony at yeah, yeah, Prayer yeah. Day. And that, that, was a, that was a great moment, wasn't it? When Mega. He got up and yeah. he's this guy, guy like, f- covered in tattoos big kind of you know looks like he could be a builder himself sort of thing uh from from the buttershaw estate which is in bradford tell, tell us a little bit about what he was sharing
1: oh it was great i mean it was in a way it was eden bottled because yeah uh tony's amazing and absolute passionate jesus follower part of our eden team now living on the estate but he became a christian through his daughter emma who met the eden team came to christ was baptized and uh, she managed to get a dad to go along to her baptism service thinking, well, I need to go find out what Emma's getting into now. This is all a bit scary. Yeah, Radically met Jesus. So he then became a Christian. His wife became a Christian. He's now the cap worker, uh, you know, the Christians, Christians against, against poverty, poverty yeah. debt relief. So she's working for cap. He's yeah. on the Eden team. He's, all the other kids have become Christians and it's just an amazing, you know, real rough, tough family and he's got this his- history of drugs and neglect and now he's just this beautiful man of God and you think, you know what, if that's all we'd seen in the last 20 years, we could <laughs> rejoice, but we've seen that multiple thousands of times, so it's great.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. Um, and anything else this month then that has kind of uh, been a highlight for you?
1: Well, this, you know, God was so on our case about poorest of the poor. And I remember, so I came back from India and I was just bombarded with all these stories of these mm. different projects. And y- you came out with us a couple of years ago, in. You remember going to that prison in Port-au-Prince? Yes. yeah. We went into a prison in Port-au-Prince and, and it was just a desperate place, like, you know, 25 women in these tiny cells with pots for the latrines. And it was awful, wasn't it? Yeah. And a uh, stinking, horrible prison and, and uh, no, no sanitation and... And so we set up a program anyway that we fund uh – doing sanitary packs for these girls every month, but also Bible study. And another email, I haven't heard from this guy for a few months. Another email came in straight on the back of the one with a little girl from Haiti mm. about all these women who are becoming Christians in this mm. prison and and getting uh, there, uh, getting helped and supported and, uh, you know, advocacy to get them the, the release those are deserving Because so. many
0: of them are inside because they've resisted rape yep. and things like that, isn't it? I mean, it's yeah. they it's not, should not be there. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. So, so that was great. And, and we're obviously – we've got some um, guys from Uganda over at the moment uh, who support us in prayer, and uh, they're inspiring us. But I'll tell you, the moment that I perhaps remember from the last month, so I came back from India all fired up and we're going to go and we're going to make urban youth more focused than ever, but we're never going to forget the poorest of the poor – and uh, I know that's not going to really happen unless we see more prayer. Hmm. And this lovely guy, John, who came over from India, um, very gracious, gentle guy. But he said, um, he said, oh, it's so lovely to be here. And I remember my first trip to the UK and, you know, it was your missionaries that came to Uganda and I wouldn't be here if it wasn't mm-hmm. for this country, blah, blah, blah. And he said, he said, but I must say it was a bit of a disappointment when I came over to the UK and realised how fat you all were. And I'm like, oh, thanks a lot. <laughs> not too bad, am I? And, and he said, no, not fat, but fat spiritually. Yeah. You're all uh, uh, And he said, it's almost like you've got fat in your arteries. Yeah. And then he said this, the reason you can't tarry in the presence of the Lord is because you've got fat in your arteries and you can't really flow. And I'm like, Oh no, Mm because of all the materialism and all the trappings of wealth that go with living where we do, you know, and I'm thinking I'm not a rich person, but I am fabulously rich compared to the vast majority of people on this planet. And that stuff can, if you're not careful, it can just chip away at your spiritual walk and mean that Mm -hmm. you can't tarry in the presence of the Lord, as John said. Yeah. And man, I was
0: challenged by that. And, and, Many many of uh, the people listening will know that prayer is a big part of who we are and what we're about. And one of the ways that we express that is we're involved with this um, amazing thing called Prayer Store. And we've had James in the past who kind of heads that up and uh, who's our prayer coordinator here at The Message as well. And talk a little bit about that. We've got one coming up next month on the, let me just have a look on here, 10th of March. Uh, So that's... uh, Definitely, if you are in the Manchester region, you want to get along to mm. to that prayer storm and, and learn what it is to tarry in the presence of God because yeah. it is an amazing
1: place to be, isn't it? Yes. Just passionate and it's, it's, prayer taking place. It's youth-led. James is a young guy with a great passion. He's leading it. So it's youth-led and uh, it's amazing. It's yeah. just... It, and it so much of our growth I believe is being fueled through that movement and we're trying to get a a bigger and better rhythm of prayer here at the message as well Mm. anybody who who loves to pray just email us and we can get you the requests in but you could also maybe pass through our building and pray for us as well we have a a prayer room right at the center of the building
0: yeah absolutely um and so if you want to find out more about PrayerStorm, you can visit their website, which is prayerstorm.org, and that will give you the address and the details. But it's 10th of March here in Manchester at the Lighthouse Church in yep. Manchester.
1: near Salford. Yeah. One more thing I just wanted to say, I think. Um, I know you've been intimately involved with this as well, Ian, but w- schools work is the absolute bedrock of who we are. And obviously we were born out of a funny yes. schools band called Worldwide Message Tribe who trucked round schools for lots of years, and we now have three bands and a theatre company doing the same thing, going to schools week in, week out. But one of the things that uh, we really feel in the next five years we want to believe for is that we could visit every high school in Manchester. There's 150-odd high schools Yeah. Um, that we could at least spend a week in every high school, relevantly, sensitively presenting the Christian faith. So that kind of, you know, in a five-year period, whilst the young people are at high schools... We can trust that every single young person has at least heard the good news in language they can understand. Yeah. And, you know, at least they they won't say Christians are stiff and boring and Christianity is irrelevant, you know, which is couldn't be further from the truth. Yeah. And so we'll put our bands and our theatre company. So we've got all all the schools listed on the wall. We're praying. And every time we get invited in for a week, we tick one off. But... If anybody could help us, if you have any sort of in, if you're, a, if you're a governor or a teacher or you've got some role within a school or you know teachers, let them know. Yeah. The message have resources. And in partnership with local churches, we'd love to spend a week in every Greater Manchester High School. And, and if you're listening to this podcast, will you pray for open doors? Mm. When we go in a school, it, it literally changes the atmosphere. It changes lots of lives, but the atmosphere changes because... The good news is being relevantly presented and and the love of Christ is starting to spill out. And we regularly had teachers to say, that was just the most amazing week. There was no fighting. There was no, the kids were greatly behaved. It was just a, uh, we want that for every high school in Manchester. And we also want to see loads and loads of them discover Jesus and connect with local churches. So.
0: Absolutely. And and that link with the local church is so important yeah. as well, isn't it? And I know one of the things that we're hoping to do, and that you'll keep your eye on our website because this will sort of appear on our website, is uh, just to try and get people to adopt their local school. Mm. And uh, so we'll have all those schools kind of listed yeah. and you can see which is your local school and you can at very least start praying for it. Perhaps that's something you would want to give towards. But once we get to that place where... We're like we've got an opportunity, maybe to to yeah. go into that school. You'll be you'll know about it, and as a local church, you guys will be kind of partnering with us on mm. that and things like that. So, we really, really want to get into each of those schools, but also yeah. we want to do that with with local churches in yeah. partnership.
1: Can I tell you one more thing that yeah, happened this last month? You can. I was just thinking, I was in London at this uh, this meeting of chief executives of charities, um, and uh, but they'd got this guy in um, called Simon Marcus who who let us know he wasn't a christian but he's on the riots committee. Oh, yeah, so there's a committee a been put forward together to, put together by the government yeah. to basically travel the length and breadth of the country where are all the riots how can we make sure this doesn't happen again basically. Yeah. You know the terrible riots that took place uh, last summer. And he said two amazing things to these christian leaders. The first thing he said was well I've got to say that there is one thing that blows all our statistics apart. And he said, and it's this that when um, he called him a nihilistic, misogynistic, violent gang member comes to faith everything changes yeah. and it's massive. It's, yeah. it, it's so different from all these inputs of different social services. There's nothing like a gang member coming to faith, he said. And you the second thing right. he said is there's an X factor, he called it. There's an X factor in terms of estates around the country that by rights should have had rioting,
2: yeah. you know,
1: because of the, the wealth, the uh, unemployment, all of uh, the education. They should have had riots, but they didn't. And even on our Eden, you know, we only had one of our estates where there was any trouble and really the 20 other states, they should have had rioting because of the places, the kind of places they were and the problems have been in the past. And he said the X factor for the places that didn't have rioting was that there was a muscular faith community. Amazing. I love that. And yeah. he, and of course 95% of that 99% of that probably is Christian. Yeah. When he says a muscular faith community what he means is a faith community that was active. Mm. Not just having meetings in the building but was engaged in community was serving and loving the poor and delivering programs and it's like that salt and yeast that we want yeah. the church to be and it really is. And this guy who wasn't a Christian was saying the gospel works and it's so powerful. And that's what we want more, a muscular faith community up and down this this country. Just, you know, where the lights are being turned off, we're turning the lights on.
0: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: So come on, flex your muscles, people. Absolutely. Church, get out there and love the poor because we're holding back the tide.
0: Yeah. 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 Brilliant. Great. Fantastic, Andy. Thanks, All as right, always. Uh, always really inspiring, encouraging to hear that stuff. Good one. So I'm now joined by the wonderful Matt Wilson, director of Eden Network. You are joined indeed. (laughs) Here I am. Um, joining myself with you. Matt, lots of people will know that Eden, uh, a while ago now, went beyond the borders of Manchester. Um, Mm -hmm. But maybe you could just give us a little bit of an update and assume maybe people don't know where that has landed.
2: Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, well, I mean, it was... uh... It was our tenth anniversary back in two thousand and seven i e the tenth anniversary of Eden, um, of me being married or anything like that. <laughs> uh, that was when we decided okay we 've got some years under our belt. Uh, maybe uh, you know there could be more to this than just uh, than just kind of uh, staying bounded within Greater Manchester. Uh, surely this stuff uh, ought to work in other, in other cities, and indeed we 'd had lots of uh, invitations anyway, mm. so yeah, so the story of the last five years really. Uh, has been the story of the growth uh, into other cities around the UK. Firstly, uh, into Sheffield, and Bradford, uh, other parts of the north, uh, up into Newcastle, Middlesbrough, uh, that sort of area. And then um, a few years ago, uh, you know, myself, uh, putting, my, you know, putting myself forward uh, to sort of lead the charge into London. and uh, and get new work established in the capital, which is going really well. So we've now got four teams down in London and more in the pipeline. It's all good.
0: Great. And then also we've got uh, a few that are very new, haven't we, on both sides of the country.
2: Yeah, well, the vision, I remember a couple of years ago, I think it to myself, uh, you know if I think you might have been there Ian, having one of these kind of our mm. little strategic retreats, yeah. and we 're kind of asking God what 's next i 'm really being struck by um, the strategic significance of stretching coast to coast, yeah uh, particularly stitching across the north of England you know the the, the gateway cities, historic gateway cities uh, from Liverpool through to Hull, right across the m sixty two corridor there uh, the gateway cities often. Um, suffer disproportionately uh, with uh, you know issues of poverty and deprivation and various social ills. I think ports and gateway cities, uh, yeah, it's, it's you know it's where people land. There's historic issues there. Mm. Uh, you know the docks business has always meant that there's been a kind of a, an underclass of population in those which has just perpetuated down the decades. So yeah, so we've been working under the radar uh, and. We're slightly over-scheduled, but we will be launching in Eden, uh, in East Hull, in the Preston Road area. Sort of really, probably Easter time. Fantastic. Properly go live. Yeah. Yeah, and just some uh, just some early conversations at the moment. We just signed the first partnership agreement in Liverpool. Great. Uh, with Emmanuel Baptist Church in Netherton, which is north Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool's a fascinating city, you know, amazing history. Uh, one of the things that's noticeable about Liverpool when you start getting your feet on the ground there uh, is it's got this kind of arc of deprivation across north Liverpool. Okay. Uh, so um, much like Manchester, really, uh, the larger churches are towards the city centre or in the south of the city. and uh, The north of the city is a bit of a wasteland, really. So we thought we'd start in the north. <laughs> yeah. Great. Hopefully. And um, I know you're about
0: to release a new book, which, well, I guess tell some of that story of the growth over the last five years, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah,
2: lots of that story. Absolutely, yeah. It's been a, uh, it's been a really fun project, actually. Um, some people might have read uh, my previous book about Eden, which came out, I think, in 2006, 2005, 2006. Yeah, so we've really, this, this journey uh, to the nation had not really begun back then. And uh, I think we've come a long way, not just in terms of what we're physically doing and lives being transformed, Um, But also in the way that we, uh, you know, the stuff that we've learned over the last five or six years, you know, God's constantly teaching us about, you know, uh, principles and methods and ways that we can uh, be more effective at the ground, you know, at the grassroots. I think the book's got a lot of that stuff in. I think people will really enjoy reading it, not just because it's packed full of really exciting testimonies of changed lives, mm. uh, but it actually narrates some of the learning curve that we've been on as well. So uh, you know, whether it's people just want to rate rivet and read about changed lives or whether it's potentially you know leaders who are looking for some insights and some wisdom into, okay, how can we make a difference where we are? It's all packed into the same book.
0: Fantastic. And when's that, when's that going to be available for people to get their hands on?
2: Um, sort of Easter, back end of March. Uh, you know, people who are at Spring Harvest will hopefully see it in the bookshop uh, and, you uh, yeah, we could, we're taking pre-orders, I think, now in terms of, you know, the message mail order department. Um, yeah. yeah. So people can go onto our message website
0: and, and it's there and they can grab hold of a pre-order. I think so. I'm getting a nod from Ian, who knows. So that's fantastic. He says he thinks so. But uh, that's awesome and Perhaps um, another big thing on your kind of horizon at the moment is the Proximity Conference.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're not really a conferencing organisation, so uh, it's once in the blue moon we get the chance to gather people in this way. Uh, in fact, the last time Eden did a conference was five years ago, uh, that you know, the 10th anniversary. Mm. So, um, yeah, it's long overdue, really. And uh, I think we want to do two things with this conference. Um, you know, not only – you know, firstly, we want to bring um, – Bring together some people who can really speak wisdom into uh, into the life of the network, and actually for everyone who longs to see the kingdom come in our na- nation's most challenging neighborhoods. Uh, so bring some people, perhaps some voices that uh, not necessarily heard all that often. So we've got a guy coming over from Chicago, serial church planter. Uh, He's got some fantastic congregations in some uh, challenging bits of Chicago. Uh, you know planting churches in different languages and in different culture groups, Mm. uh, as well as some of the new contacts I've made in London. So we've got Nimza Bungi coming up and Patrick Regan. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, going to be an exciting time. But I think secondly, creating an environment, creating a space where people can connect with one another. Um, I think we've realized over the years Eden – operates in in some overlapping uh, areas. So, uh, for instance, church planting, Mm -hmm. urban mission, incarnational living, missional community. These are kind of niche areas of ministry Don't necessarily always get brought together in the same place, and so we think that's unique about proximity. So, whether somebody is a church leader in an urban area looking to uh, kind of improve their impact, or whether somebody is a kind of an activist or a practitioner who's just uh, looking to uh, you know make a difference on the ground where they are, uh, people they'll all get something from this and be able to connect with one another in that kind of sense of cross pollinating. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, going away from this sort of, you know, we'll create a faith-filled environment that people can go away with, with real, you know, bigger dreams for the future. And that's a two-day thing? It's a two-day thing, although it's very flexible. Uh, it's over a Friday and a Saturday, so the whole thing... Um, you know, we want to make it really easy for people to get what they need to get out of the conference. So mm. if that means just coming along for one of the two days, um, it's got a fantastic streams program, Yeah, um, you know, including, uh, you know, some grassroots stuff around uh, urban church and missional communities, urban theology. Um, Also, just some great grassroots advice for uh, urban youth workers, that kind of thing. And that's, you know, nobody – you don't be tied into a stream. People can pick and choose Mm. uh, what they want to hear from. Uh, We've got the fantastic REND Collective Experiment. Yeah, great. who will be geeing us along over that two days as well. So it'll be high energy. Um, Yeah, it's not going to be a kind of a dry old conference. It'll be – and Andy's, you know, helping to host it. So Mm. uh, there'll be a lot of laughs along the way too. Yeah, it'll be good. Just tell us a little bit about
0: um, Dave Ferguson, who you mentioned, who's mm. from Chicago. Perhaps people may know about Nims and uh, Patrick, but Dave's probably a person people may or may not heard of. Yeah. Um, and we, we've kind of met him over the years, haven't we, as we've been involved in various church planting things. But a uh, lot of wisdom and a lot of experience, like you
2: said. Well, he's doing the stuff. I mean, yeah. that's the main thing. We. Uh you know, the, the Message Trust has never really been known for being uh, great theorizers, have we? You know, what we're <laughs> known for is getting is doing the stuff, yeah. Uh, and, and Dave is a guy who's doing the stuff, really. And uh, perhaps where he's, uh, you know, he's known on a local level in Chicago for doing some fantastic multi site church planting, uh, but then across the USA, uh, he's increasingly. Uh, Become influential through uh, what's called the Exponential Conference, which is uh, a—I think the world's largest church planting conference. Uh, They gather about two thousand church planters every year, Uh, and it's—it's just going nuts. They're just seeing this out-of-control church planting, Uh, and uh, you know, as we know, the the best way to evangelize the world is through church planting. Mm. Uh, You know, church plants by virtue of being fresh starts have to see the lost one to Christ. Absolutely. Uh, And uh, they're incredibly missional, energetic places to be. And uh, whilst, you know, Eden, maybe uh, perhaps more than half of what we do is with existing congregations, uh, we definitely see that church planting is part of our vocation. There are some neighbourhoods that sadly just do not have viable local churches that we can partner with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where there's vision or where there's a willingness to embrace the kind of change agenda that that community might need. And so uh, church planting is part of it. And I'm excited as I travel around that um, church planting is back on the agenda up and down the UK um, it's taken off. I mean the two years I spent in London, particularly with HTB, yeah. um there's a tremendous appetite for it because it gets results. Yeah. It, the Diocese of London are mad for it. And I guess you it don't and hear it looks that so phrase very <laughs> often. <laughs> <laughs> Diocese of London are mad for it. Only a Mancunian could say that. Sorry. You know, when you say something and then you think yeah, back yeah. on it.
0: Anyway. And it looks so different in, in different environments as mm. well, doesn't it, Church Planting, like you say and, and um Tell us a little bit, actually, because one of the things I guess we've been thinking and talking about, um, Eden's always had very clear kind of parameters, I guess, mm-hmm. of what, what makes something Eden. Yep. And there's always been a, you know, very clear number of distinctives that you have. But That's but right. we also know there's a lot of people are saying we love this heart and we love, yeah. we love what this looks like, but perhaps we don't quite fit because we're not exclusively youth or yeah, we're not yeah, in that yeah. bottom 10 percent and but you've been thinking around that a little bit haven't you recently we've always been
2: very good at saying no <laughs> uh, <laughs> so a few years ago that would have you know translated into this very tight geographic uh kind of calling that we sensed towards greater manchester and then we sort of lifted that restriction and we said actually uh all the densely populated urban areas around the UK we really want to be able to make a difference in. Yeah, but it's still, mm. it's not, Eden doesn't feel, um, r- whilst we acknowledge that there is uh, such a thing as rural poverty and it is just as biting, you know, in the Welsh yeah. Valleys yeah. Uh, as it is in, you know, the big urban centres, um, we don't necessarily feel like that's our calling. But there may be things uh, that we've learned along the way. Um, which somebody who is just to kind of continue that example, if somebody is based in the Welsh Valleys or maybe in some seaside town, you know, yeah. Clacton on Sea, I yeah. think is the number one most deprived place mm. in the UK at the moment, or a little corner of it anyway. Uh, yeah, so what, and by saying no, what's the kingdom outcome? Yeah. Uh, that's the thing that's really been bugging me. Uh, because I think there are a number of people that we've had to say, you know what, we've got such limited resources uh, and we've got such limited time that we're just going to have to keep it tight on this vision that we feel God's given us, so sorry we can't help you. Uh, But then a few years down the line, you hear some stories, you hear some feedback, saying, oh, you know, maybe uh, that particular... Uh, you know that particular project lost its momentum, went into inertia, or or just ploughed on ahead anyway and got into problems and, mm. and even got messy. And uh, I don't want either of those things to happen, really. Mm. So uh, so yeah, at proximity uh, in May, we're going to be uh, we're going to be launching a new associate scheme uh, where. Uh, wherever you are in the country, uh, if you've got really this heart for longing to see the kingdom come in disadvantaged neighbourhoods, then there ought to be something, some way that you can connect with Eden that's in some way going to add some value to what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And either if that's in some small way or some big way, we want to be able to, I think that's the simple thing, somehow we want to be able to add value, whether it's making our training resources more accessible, uh, whether it's just the way we do project management and reporting, um, whether it's just being part of feeling, you know, even coming up to Manchester on one of our monthly prayer days and just coming, being welcomed into that atmosphere mm. of faith and listening to some of the testimonies. Uh, yeah. There's lots of ways that we think we might be able to do that. Great. And so particularly if you're
0: from somewhere in Cornwall or or Clacton, um people can start to make some sort of contact and should be coming to proximity because that would be a great first place to do that. Yeah, perfect. Great. Um, The other really exciting thing that's happened in in your world um, is the launch of a new Eden bus. Yeah. And that's been kind of in the pipeline for a while. It's finally happened.
2: Yeah, the big tangerine. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, tell us a little bit about uh, what that looks like, and some of the changes, and uh, and also kind of what you're hoping to
2: see. the it, it, Yeah, being. it is very, very fulfilling for me, uh, only because um, it it takes me right back to when we first started Eden. Uh, I, I remember having this, myself and uh, a guy called Mark Smethurst, who was the uh, team leader of Eden with Insure. Uh, having this harebrained idea that we were going to get this double-decker bus to hmm. Withinshore for a couple of weeks of uh, of mission uh, on the local estates. And uh, we got this bus, I don't know where it came from, this double-decker, white double-decker bus. It was in awful condition, and pretty much every night for a fortnight we had to pray over it to get it started. <laughs> uh, and we took it to all these different locations around Withenshore. But it was a magnet for the local teenagers, and uh, and we said at the time we said to Andy we need to get one of these buses, and uh, and so we started trying to raise money and that was you know that was the back end of the nineties yeah uh, and I think and so it was two thousand when we first launched the bus ministry properly uh, with our own Eden Bus Eden Bus One and so yeah now we're on Eden Bus Three yeah uh, one of the fascinating things is just uh, how far technology has come on so the vision's still the same you know we want to have a mobile youth centre that we can take. Into the toughest communities where it's perhaps difficult to have uh, a static youth centre or costly or risky, mm. uh, so we still want to be able to reach those teenagers. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's not cost us a penny more than it cost to fit out that original bus twelve years ago, uh, and yet this, you know, it's I think the, I think the phrase is pimped. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's a really mint bus. Uh, it looks the part. I mean, it's a bit of a tank. You know, it's a. X, what we call in Manchester X ex-magic bus Okay. so yeah. that means it's a big six-wheeler that used to truck up and down Oxford Road carrying students to and from the university for 50p <laughs> uh, yeah but it's brilliant and uh, it, it's got a you know it's more reliable it's got a better range we're taking it up to Bolton taking it out to Liverpool uh, shortly hopefully we'll be commencing in Warrington and uh, Stockport as well so uh, yeah so great it
0: exciting it and, and can our listeners get any kind of pictures of that have we posted those anywhere or uh, there was a
2: little feature about it in flow magazine i imagine at some point we'll do a little video or something like that yeah Yeah, fantastic it's also
0: on the web as well i think so that's really exciting and are you looking for areas and projects is is, i mean if people are like we'd love to have an eden bus come to us we live in greater manchester or even maybe a little further afield yeah the the way we're
2: working it is um you know either uh local church partners can hire it for a term you know okay. once a week uh, we'll bring the bus over to your neighbourhood um, we'd really try and encourage the churches to uh, we'll help them to recruit and train their own volunteers but it's about releasing local mm. uh, capacity to reach the local community and um, yeah, but, you know, uh, half terms uh, or, you know, when, when we're on downtime, we can do fun days, we've got the bus through the summer, all that kind of thing. So, fantastic. yeah, it's there, it's for hire, and uh, it's a fantastic magnet for uh, for local teenagers, it really is. Great. So
0: I think it's fair to say a lot going on in the world of Matt Wilson at the moment. <laughs> it's all good. It is all good. So if you want to find out any more about the Proximity Conference, really? um the eden website is that the best place for people to that go that is definitely the best place for that which yeah. is the eden-network.org no, you know, you've got, yes. yeah. It was just google eden network that's
2: yeah yes. fantastic um if people if people think people can follow me on twitter uh, yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. Yeah, yeah what are you at i'm at matt wilson <laughs> great except for the l of wilson is a number one and the o of wilson is a zero Again, I'm sure if they search Matt Wilson,
0: they'll see your smiling face <laughs> and smiling, figure it yeah, out. Yeah. So that's brilliant. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for joining us.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Cool.
0: Always a pleasure, never a chore. <laughs> we're joined now by Adam. And um, great to have you here. Thanks for, for uh, coming and chatting to us, mate. And uh, hopefully we're going to just get hear a little bit of your story. Now, some people may have read your story because you're in the flow magazine and also you're are you in the 20th book as well so people have got got the 20th book uh they might have read your story but perhaps for those that haven't uh heard it maybe tell us a little bit about how you came in touch with with the message and what a part that played in you reconnecting with god as well
3: yeah well um i i first came to christ about five and a half years ago um Obviously, i had a lifetime of broken home, you know, went through the whole uh went got deeply involved with the drugs, um gun crime, violence and uh I, I my life was a mess. Uh, spiraled spiral out of control, my family didn't want to know I me, mean, they washed their hands with me and uh, had some guys wanted to kidnap me and uh take me away and never uh, to be seen again. So I I I, went, I moved away to Newcastle and um it was there that I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Um People tried telling me about God. I didn't want to know. I just I I, I had to have that supernatural encounter yeah. with God for me to believe, to open my eyes, and um, it was been up up and down since then. You know, I was used to a lifestyle for for a very long time, and there was times I've had quite a few big mess ups, and mm. the last one was just before I moved back to to Manchester, where um, I was in Newcastle Crown Court. Uh, I'd not drunk for a long time. I went out into Sunderland because um, I'd lost my job. Felt depressed, missed my family, and got yeah. kicked out where I was living because I couldn't pay the rent, and uh, just went back to default. Sort of yeah, whole, yeah. whole different turn right the way around, and hit the drink—the yeah. only way I knew how to bury things—and um and I ended up being uh, assaulting two two men, and um, that badly that they they had to have their faces reconstructed, disfigured them, and you know, uh, several operations, and and then. Um, I knew the police were after me, so I was on the run because it was a, there was a still uh, image of me on Crime Stoppers website, and then, you know, it was a life where I'd not been in trouble for a long time, and yeah, all this yeah. had blew up, and did the only thing really that what I knew to do, um, which I thought would be best, was to, to come back to Manchester and get off, because uh, it was in the local Sunderland Echo newspaper, so I knew it was in, uh, in serious trouble. And then uh, I got a phone call from my people who I used to live with, who were Christians, Christian family, and they just said, "Look, we've had the CID knocking on the door. You know, they're, lo- they're looking for you." They said it's not going to go away, uh, and if I didn't hand myself in when I did, it would have been on crime watch, and mm. you know, to trap mm. me down. It was that serious, and uh, I so I, I got in touch with the CID. Said, "Look, I'm going to hand myself in." Um, I had a job here I said look I can come up on these dates i give you my word he said will you promise us I said yeah so I went up back, all the way back to Newcastle to so Sunderland handed myself in then it got uh, it went to Sunderland magistrates then it got um, transferred to uh, Newcastle Crown Court yeah and a trial went on for a year, so really a year of not knowing what to do. And obviously through backsliding and um, messing up and turning my back on God when it wasn't God that offended me or upset me, um, it was my stinking pride, basically. I, I met my my baby's mum and, you know, she got pregnant really quick. i got a little girl now and she's yeah. coming up to one. Yeah. Uh, but that year leading up to the court trial was, was horrible for us both and all the family because it was like, I'm going to get... I thought was going to get sent down before my my daughter was going to be born, so I was going to miss everything. I thought, I'm going to miss the first steps. I'm going to miss this and that. And for a long time, all throughout the year, I was praying to God, saying, God, get me off with this. I don't want to go to prison. I'll never get out. You know what I'm like. That will be it. I'll just end up getting time added down, blah, blah, blah. And, um, And then God just like... I didn't feel anything, I didn't feel a peace about it. Mm. And I started seeking God more, and I started praying and reading the word more and getting back into that. And I was like, Look, God, I started giving him more areas of my heart, saying, Look, I really want this, God. I know I've messed up, but I love you. And through I've done whatever I've done, may not seem like I love you. People might think, Yeah, what? But I do. I've just had a lot of issues in my heart. And, uh, and it got to a point where I just said, Look, God, if it's your will, your will be done in my life if it your will for me to, to do eight years in prison 23 and a half hours a day locked down on category A wing to get right with you in a cell with just a Bible and amen you obviously need to meet, you obviously want to reach people on the inside And um, and it was then God that miracle was released, the answer prayer, because i meant it with my heart instead of just lip service. So yeah. I seriously meant it in my heart. I was yeah. willing to go and do that time and do whatever and live like a true Christian in prison, regardless of if people upset me or whatever. Mm. And, um, and then I, I I thought, right, I'm getting sent down. My barrister said, you're going down. You, you, you're going to go county-drawn prison, this and that. So we went for uh, sentencing um, a year and a half ago. It'll be two years in October. October. Okay. Um, so what was the sentence? I got um two-year suspended sentence for two years, yeah. a two-year provisional order, uh, £2,000 compensation to pay, 180 hours community service, I had to do a COVID course, which is alcohol-related violence course, and I had to see a psychologist. Okay. Yeah. And
0: so that community service was part of the reason why you've kind of ended up
3: at the message trust well yeah like when 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 like I got handed all this I really I was like God I mean it now I'm all yours no I don't care if anyone if I have to grow my hair long grow a big beard and people call me a numpty I really don't <laughs> care like I'm yours <laughs> whatever you want me to do I'll do and then I started just really seeking God praying more and like really pushing through and in, in reading the word and being radical just 100 percent sold out for him and no compromise zero tolerance in so many areas uh stopped going to pubs stopped drinking and this and that and yeah uh stopped smoking and and i was praying god look i don't know any christians in manchester i'm back here now i'm back here for god i believe you called me back here because it was actually a prophecy over my life in 2007 that i'd be back in manchester and god's gonna use me yeah um which was amazing (laughs) and um so I was praying, God, look, put me around passionate, on-fire Christians that love you with all their heart and that are going for you, um, that are running the race. So a couple of months down the line, after being about four or five months of doing community service, we came to uh, the MEC, Message yeah. Enterprise Centre, which I didn't know. at all. Which at the time was just this abandoned
0: building that the Message yeah. Trust next door had bought and wanted to turn into this... This thing that you were there to, as community service, to kind of clean it up, right? and yeah. Clear it out. Okay. Yeah.
3: When we first got there, I looked at it and thought, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but at that time, I'd, I'd, I'd started for the last couple of months before we came here, I started giving people the gospel and community service, like yeah. tough, like hardened criminals, you know, and uh, just telling them Jesus loves them and I, I live for God and that's it, you know. And, um, and then we was here, and I spoke to my friend. I said, "Have you have you heard of a place called the Message Message Trust?" And he's, um, I mean, he's in ministry down south, and he said, "Yeah, they're a, they're a fantastic ministry to help the people get back on track with God, and they reach out to the communities." And but four weeks before that, I felt God saying to me, "Go next door and speak to somebody." So I'm thinking, "Why on earth would you <laughs> want me to go next door and talk to some random person?" Because I didn't have a clue what the message were or yeah. what they were about. Yeah so like the fourth time God spoke to me about that was just after I spoke to my friend on the phone and um, they wouldn't they wouldn't actually let anybody in to, even to use the toilets uh, the, the supervisor on probation so yeah. I was like right God you're going to have to make a way for me then so I walked up and I said can I just go next door and speak to somebody and he just the supervisor just said yeah take your high vis off and go so I was like that's a bit mad they never yeah. say that they never let yeah. anyone so I went next door um, shared a bit of my testimony with, um, Andrea mm. reception. Yeah. And she, uh, she called Matty Hawthorne from the, uh, reflex team. Yeah. And, um, came down, met me, uh, and then for a few weeks then we started meeting up, giving me his number and that took mine. And then I met Nick Shalavi through him and just built relationships with these guys. And obviously through that, I, um, they helped me get me plugged into Ivy church. Yeah. 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 Um, God's really done a massive work the last, especially the last year in my life. Uh, incredible, like fast track so much that I've missed through making silly decisions, mm. and um, it's got me a place. I'm in an amazing place with God now, by His grace and by His love, and um, I'm just so grateful for for this ministry and for everybody who who works here because it's amazing work that you do uh, mm. in in this nation. And so you've completed
0: <laughs> community service now, and. Connected into a great church, and God answered your prayer, and you've met some passionate Christians who've really helped you move on and stuff. So, what's happening right now in your life? What What's the next thing, and what you're doing at the moment?
3: Yeah, well, um, I felt God speak to me about starting a business up um, to to employ uh, these ex-offenders who are going to be coming to the uh, MEC when it's up and running. Yeah, and um, so when I felt God speak to me about that. It reminded me of a prophecy in 2008, which Prophet Tess said, I see a construction company, buildings, properties. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it reminded me of that. So I said, okay, God, these doors are opening now. You've got to tell somebody else. So like a week or two later, I, Frank Green said to me, look, Adam, you know, I want to sit down and have a meeting with you to find out your dreams and your visions um, and what your goals are. So I met up with him and sat there, and he was trying to get it out of me. And I thought, I'm not getting it. You're not getting it out of me. I want to hear it from your mouth, <laughs> <laughs> for confirmation from God. So then he just said, "Look, me and Andy Hawthorne feel that like God spoke to us about you setting up a business, self-employed, yeah um, to like run alongside these guys to help mentor them next door." And I just said, "Well, I said, yeah, that's exactly what God spoke to me about." So that's great,
0: and and we've always said, and and people probably heard it out of Andy's very mouth, uh, you know, that our dream and our hope, uh, both with terms of kind of reflex of prisons ministry and MEC, but acro- across all the stuff that we do, really is that those young people that society see as the biggest problem will will become the the greatest answer, and 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 in many ways that's it, isn't it? You know, for you, in lots of ways, society would look at you and your past and say that kind of person is the reason our our nation's got problems and yet now here you are having god done amazing things in your life hopefully starting to become part of the answer and, and and mentoring guys and being able to take take them further because you've walked that path yourself and all that kind of stuff which is great to hear so thanks Adam for coming and speaking to us, uh, really encouraging to hear those stories and if you want to find out more about us at The Message and uh, some more stories, one of the ways you can do that is by going to our website which is message.org.uk but of course if you don't receive our Flow magazine we send that out every quarter as well and so make sure you sign up for that and that's got loads more of these stories and and what we're hoping for for the future as well as prayer requests and that sort of thing as well. So thanks for listening and um, we hope that you'll be listening again next month for our next flow podcast.